Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Anybody else have something else they'd rather be doing right now? Or is this where you actually would like to be at? In this place, in this time, in this moment? Right? God's given us just a little bit of just a little bit of time in our lives. I mean, what? What's the average age now? 70, 80 years? Something like that. Some people live past it. Some people don't even make it that far. But when we think about an eternity that we get to spend with Jesus, this little time that we're on earth is just a very, very minute amount of time. It's very very short, very small. And I think we need to take every opportunity that we have while we're in this place to praise him, to lift him up, to lean into his word, to learn, to grow, to love him more and more each day because That's what he's done for us because everything that he's done for us. I want to give honor to just our ministry team. I think we just have a great ministry team. I think it's more than great. I mean, they're awesome. I mean, we get to hear a word, a a message each and every time that we come into this place that isn't just confined to here, isn't just made for just us. And it's worthy of conference levels, right? We say that so many times and and sometimes we're like, yeah, conference levels because it's way over our head sometimes. But but no, that's just the kind of blessings that we have here in this really small church. I mean, we're not just a great big church. We're not a super large church, but we got one of the best ministry teams and I get to look up to them and I just want to give them honor today. Our bishop, pastor who's not here, he seems to have me up here when he's not here a lot. I'm going to start to develop a complex, I think. But, Brother Mason, you are here even though I was not here very much while you were here. So I appreciate that for not reciprocating that. But uh, i got to give honor to my wife and, of course, my son, who just continually loved me each and every day and and put up with my uh, nonsense sometimes. But uh, we'll go ahead and go to the Lord. That way you can sit down and hopefully not take a nap or anything. But listen to the Word, right? (laughs) We want to go to Proverbs 3 and 5. Proverbs 3 and 5 is where we're going to start. Uh, of course, pastor come to me on Friday and is like, hey, uh, I need you to get something together for Wednesday. And I'm like, next Wednesday? Like the one coming up? I'm like, pastor, you know I need a little bit more time than that. But, but I know that whenever pastor comes to me, he's coming to me with trust, and, and I don't want to do him... Uh, wrong, I guess, or I want to be able to do a good job, and so of course I get to studying and and just getting down with it, but honestly, my personality, I'm kind of a procrastinator. See, I mean, if I have a week or if I have a month, it's probably going to be done in the last week, just to be honest. So maybe that's why he gives it to me last minute, I don't know. Proverbs 3 and 5 says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Philippians 4 and 6 says, Be careful for nothing, 
but in everything by the power, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Tonight, I'm just coming with just a, something that God has just kind of laid on my heart. Uh, my title tonight is, Trust Me, I've Got This. It's just what, what, I, what I can imagine God saying um, in times is, trust me, I've got this, right? I think we've said that sometimes. We, you know, someone's questioning how you're doing. It's just, trust me, I've got this. I get it taken care of. And that's how I picture God in some instances, and we're going to get through this tonight. If you go with me in prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we love and praise you tonight, God. We just thank you, God, for just this opportunity and this, this uh, God ability that you've given me. Lord, I just pray, God, that you will bless this message, bless this word, God. Lord, remove any air from my lips, God, Lord, that I would be able to do, God, what you've called me to do, God, Lord, that somebody, God, whether in here or, or God, over podcasts would, would be able to hear it, God, Lord, would be able to be, be changed and influenced and, God, Lord, stronger in their walk with you, God, because of what you deliver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. So as I was studying last well, partially last night, but as I was studying for tonight, um, I listen to a lot. I like to listen to music when I get in, um, when I get in my zone, gear five, as I would call it, Brother Mason. I have to get in fifth gear sometimes. Uh, and so I listen to music. I put some headphones on so I don't get distracted, so I can block out all the noise that might be going on in the background, uh, you know, with like a four-year-old and a drum set and try and limit some of that distraction. And when I was listening to uh, Pandora, a song came on that said that was called You Made a Way by Travis Green. It's a popular song. I've heard it many times before, and I really like the song. But just last, uh, while I was studying last night, kind of getting everything together and stuff, um, a few phrases just kind of stuck out to me. And it said, there's nothing that's impossible. And we say that all the time, but just last night and just in the midst of my studying, it just kind of like hit me. And it was just something that I was like, that's true. That's awesome. Nothing. There's nothing that's impossible for our God. There's nothing that he can't do that he can't take care of. And the other phrase that stuck out to me was said, don't know how, but you did it. Because I think that explains uh, me and God in a nutshell. I don't know how he does a lot of things, but he does it anyway. Or I don't know why he does it, but he does it anyway. Just powerful words to hear while I was just going through this message and just thinking, trust me, I've got this. And just how God is just awesome and how he's on time. But when I'm asked to minister, when when pastor comes to me and says, hey, I need you to do this, I need you to... Uh, step in for me, I'm going to be out, or I just need you to fill in or whatever. Uh, of course, the first thing I start doing is kind of freaking out. But, but then I start praying, and I start asking God, God, okay, I've got this time. This is what I need to do. What do you want me to say? How do you want me to deliver this? You know, and I start just trying to get in a mode of what God wants to say because I'm sure I could flip the Bible open, find a scripture, and just start going to town. Just, you know, find or find some random a message that somebody else has done, make it into my own words and, and go from there. But, but really, when I come up here, I want to know 
God, what is it that you want to say? Is, is there something that you want to say? Put my thoughts and my feelings aside and, and what it is that you want to say. More often than not, God's gonna, God has planted just a phrase or a thought just in my mind, and, and he's basically saying, this is what you got? Now go to town. Open up your word. Find out what you can do. And for tonight, that was no different. What God planted was just my title. Trust me, I've got this. And I'm like, all right. God, that's what you want me to go off is trust me, I've got this. I mean, that's something that I've said many times before. Uh, usually when someone's doubting if I can do something or whatever, uh, whether it be at work or at home or whatever, it's trust me, I've got this. I can take care of it. And, and sometimes it's a fail and sometimes it works out. And usually it, I got lucky. But I could not begin to tell you how many times that I've heard that you have to put your trust in the Lord. Right? We hear that all the time. If we get worried, we get down, we get distraught, you've just got to put your trust in the Lord. That's what you have to do. And we hear that. That's how we, I guess, encourage other people is you've just got to put your trust in the Lord. You don't know what's going on, but you just got to trust in the Lord. I'm not denying at all that that's good advice. But you guys know the old saying, it's easier said than done. It's one of those things. Someone can say, you know what, I've got a lot of stress going on in my life. Well, just put your trust in the Lord. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, you're over it that quick, right? No. It's easier said than done. And I'm sure that I'm not alone when I say that there have been many times that I would try and fix things in my own life before I would turn to God with them. I'd be like, eh, God doesn't care about my little situation or what I've got going on or this little bit of stress that, that I've got going on. God doesn't care about that. And and I would try and fix it myself. I would try and turn to my own understanding. I would try to turn to what, what I know or what, what's happened in the past and, and try to deal with that situation by myself. But because we get that mentality, because that's just the way our life is, that I can take care of it. God doesn't care about my little problems. He has more important things to worry about. And those are phrases I've told myself, right? You're praying for other people. You're praying for somebody that has cancer or something like that, and then you just, you're just a little bit short on your paycheck or something. You're like, okay, that's, just, that's not a big deal. Somebody else, is, somebody else is dealing with something else. He's got more important stuff to deal with. I'll just I'll make that up some other time. I don't need to go to God with it, you know. But I'm here to tell you that we, all have, we have to get out of our own heads. That's what we are. It's a mental battle. When, when we decide that we're going to fix everything ourselves and, and not turn to God and not trust in Him, that's the mental battle. That's your own thoughts getting inside your head thinking that you're of lesser value than what you really are. Lesser value than what God gives you. God cares about you and the things that are important to you. Even the small things, like, like your job, your family, your finances, your house, or even your car. What car you're going to buy, what house you're going to buy, all this stuff. God cares about all that. That's why we want to go to him in prayer before we make those decisions, right? We want to go to him and, and, and you know, we want his blessing because, because we know that he cares and, and he wants what's best for us. And, and we don't want to jump to our own fixing of our problems without turning to him first, without giving him an opportunity to step in and tell us, hey, okay, yeah, this is the right path you need to travel down. Or, hey, I, I need to close this door for you because that's, you don't know what's, you don't know what's going to happen in the future, but you're not, it's not going to be a good outcome for you. So as I started thinking and reading, I couldn't help but notice that the Bible's full of situations where I could just picture God saying, trust me, I got this. 
I mean, if you just think from Genesis to Revelation, there's times in every situation about every person that you can just imagine God. And I, and I don't know, I've probably pictured this a thousand times. God just having this look on his face saying, trust me, I got this. Step back, I got this, okay? And that's just, I'm, I, that's just me. That's how I picture him saying it too. Maybe that's just because it's me and it's my imagination, but now you guys are too. You're welcome. <laughs> so you may have heard of a couple women, uh, Mary and Martha, right? Uh, they've got a brother named Lazarus, pretty, pretty popular people in the Bible. Uh, we know that uh, this was the same Mary that washed Jesus' feet and, and dried them with her hair, right? So, so these are some ladies and, and a gentleman that, that Jesus is really fond of. He's really grown to love and, and to care for these, these people. And, and as we read John 11, it says that Jesus received word that Lazarus was sick. Okay, he's grown fond of them, and, and he's out doing his own thing, and, and he receives word that they're sick. But if you're reading John 11, you're kind of like, okay, Jesus, what are you thinking here? So instead of leaving right away, as soon as he hears the bad news, because, you know, as soon as we hear someone's sick and on their deathbed, we're like, all right, I got to go, especially if it's a family member or someone you really love. Like, I got to go. I got to get off work. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. He's just like, you know what? I'm just going to stick around in this city for a couple more days. I'm just going to wait around here. And, and he does. And, and you're like, okay, Jesus, well, that, that doesn't really make any sense. But, but if you continue to read uh, John 11, he says he just stayed there a couple more days, waited basically for Lazarus to die. And what he says, and it's, it's kind of you almost picture Jesus as kind of being kind of like cocky at the moment. Because he's like, he tells his disciples, he's like, hold up, I'm just going to let that happen because you guys are going to, you're guys going to see how God works. You guys are going to see a miracle and, and God's going to be glorified because of it. And you just kind of picture him with this just little tone, like, it'll, it'll be all right because he knows the outcome already. So he's, he's allowed to be calm and collected, but, but everybody else is kind of worrying because Lazarus is dead and Jesus is just hanging around waiting for him to die. Before he even leaves. Well, he receives word that he, he's finally died. He said, he tells his disciples, all right, we got to go now. <laughs> he's like, Jesus, or Lazarus is asleep. They're like, well, if he's asleep, he's going to wake up. <laughs> They're confused. He's like, no, 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 no. Lazarus is dead. We need to go. <laughs> okay. So they, they take off and they go to meet Lazarus. Well, as they're on their way back, he runs into Mary and Martha before he even makes it into the city. And both of them come to him and just say, you know what, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have even died. So what are you, what are you doing? What, what took so long? We sent word days ago. You should have been here already. And I could just see them coming to him with some sort of attitude. Of course, they're, you know, grieving because their brother's dead, and, and they're like, they know the power that Jesus has, and, and they're just wondering, well, why, why did you wait till now? And, of course, by the time that Jesus arrives in the city, Lazarus has already been dead four days. And I know you're a miracle worker, Jesus, and, you know, we know about CPR and stuff, but four days? I don't know somebody's been raised from, raised from the dead four days, man. They're really going to need a bath after that, right? They start to deteriorate and all that stuff, no matter how much oils you put on them. And so he's just waiting four days, shows back up, and he said he's just, he's just sleeping. And I just can't help but picture as he's coming into this town and, and he's telling him he's just basically thinking, trust me, I got this. It's, it's all going to be fine because he already knows. Now we read in John eleven thirty five 35 that Jesus weeps. Even though he already knows the outcome, even though he already knows that in just a few 
hours or whatever, Lazarus is going to be walking and talking and, and telling about how, hey, guys, I was dead and now I'm alive, and telling people about it. We know the end of the story, and, and so does Jesus at this time, but, but nobody else does. And, and I think that Jesus weeps because he feels for Mary and Martha, who didn't know of a certainty that Lazarus was getting ready to be raised from the dead. They didn't know like Jesus knew, and I think he kind of felt compassion for them. He was sorry, maybe sorry that he waited so long to come and, and to bring their brother back to life, to bring his friend back to life, right? So he's saying, trust me, I've got this. So what about the children of Israel? We already know Bishop was already trying to get in on my message tonight. He didn't even know anything about it. But what about the children of Israel, right? So many times that they were quick to turn to their own ways rather than trusting God. I mean, God's telling us all through, throughout Scripture that we have to trust Him, but, but the children of Israel, they were so quick to just turn and, and quit trusting in God. They, it was just crazy how quick they did, no matter how many miracles um, Jesus did for them and no matter how many miracles God had done for them. Um, they were quick to just quit believing and want to turn to whatever else they was on their mind. This is what made their journey last so long, right? We know that their journey, if you really look at it, was not really a 40-year journey to get to where they're going, if you would actually map it out. But because of the, the poor decision-making and the things that they did, it, they took, what was it, 40 days and turned it into 40 years. Man, that's a long time. It took the long way around, right? They were very quick to turn on Moses and Aaron. Anytime something wasn't going right, Moses, Aaron, it's your fault. You should have just left us where we were. They would get a little hungry. <laughs> I almost put hangry in here because they did. But uh, they would get a little hungry, and they would quickly forget all that God had done for them. I mean, I know hunger does a lot to us. I mean, I've been there. I've been to those states. Probably not starvation level, but I've been to the stages where my stomach just gets a little hungry, and I'm like, just get a little irritable. These guys took it to a whole nother level. They just, they just quit believing in everything that they had been through, and, and they're just like, you know what? You should have just left us in Egypt. You should have just left us in bondage. At least we had food there. Regardless, we were getting beat. We were having to do stuff we really didn't want to do, but we got food. I mean, that's what, that's what I picture them saying. And they were so quick to forget all the beatings that they received, the physical labors that they had to do just for being slaves to the Egyptians. They were so quick to forget this. They were quick to forget how, they had, how uh, God had parted the Red Sea and, and they walked through on dry ground. That's a miracle in itself, right? How long does it take mud to dry? Let alone just parting the water and they're already walking through on dry ground. So that's a miracle in itself. And then he destroys all of Pharaoh's army who was seeking after their life. These are the people, the ones seeking after their life were the ones that they were saying, you should have just left us there with them. They, they don't care about your life. But they were, so, they were so quick to forget and to stop trusting. But God decided he was going to go ahead and listen to them. And so even though God decided to listen to them and, and hearken unto them and feed them every day because he's like, all right, well, when they're... When they're hungry, they make terrible decisions. So let's, let's just keep them fed. I'll just, I'll just keep feeding them daily, okay? I'll, I'll put manna in the morning that when the dew rises, there's manna on the ground for them to eat every morning. And, and they shouldn't ever go hungry. 
I'm going to give them some stipulations because I still want them to trust me. I don't want them to, you know, forget all about me because I understand they're quick to do that. You know, this is how God's talking, right? And so he says, you can't, you can't uh, pick another day's worth. Whenever I give it to you, it's to be used for that day. Don't pick any for the next day. Uh, it's not going to be any good. But, man, if you wouldn't believe them, children of Israel, <laughs> they did anyway. Even though day after day they've been getting it fresh every morning, there's still some of them that wanted to take and just bottle a little bit extra up and to bring it in because their trust was so little, their faith was so little that they were so worried that that next day there wasn't going to be any manna. So i got to have some for the next day. Even though how many ever days beforehand, it's been consistent every day. Their faith was so little, and they were quick to forget they still didn't trust God. They kept, and, and so what happened? So they, they would pick a little extra, and they're, they're feeling good about themselves. All right, I got some for the next day. I won't have to work tomorrow because I already went out and picked it up. Man, the next day they woke up, that stuff was rotten. God's just trying to tell them, trust me, I've got this. I'm going to take care of you if you would just listen. If you would just follow me, I'm, I think I'm giving you reasonable rules. I think these are fine to follow. I'm giving it to you every day. Just don't pick more than you should. Don't, just don't. You know, he, never, he doesn't like us to be gluttons, even though sometimes I feel like one. I can't help it. Our portions are way too big. But, but he just, he gave them rules and wanted them to follow. But they still couldn't do that. He's saying, just trust me. That's all I want you to do is trust me. Psalms 118 and 8 says, it is better to trust in the Lord than the confidence of man. The children of Israel told us that, right? They had confidence that this food was going to be good for them for the next day, but... Okay, I understand what God said, okay, but, but I don't, it may not be there tomorrow. So they pick extra. He's saying, trust me, I've got this. What about a set of twins named Jacob and Esau? Does anybody know these guys? Pretty popular guys. I think almost all of us know about these two. Esau was the oldest, and Jacob, uh, Jacob of course, was the youngest, would come out. and They were, of course, battling inside the womb. I would, of course, I've never bear children but um if you could imagine having two in there and they're just they're fighting and they're <laughs> they're they're battling back and forth when when I remember whenever uh Shay was pregnant and Lucas would be kicking and stuff she's like get off my bladder or get off this or or just whatever it was could you imagine have two in there that are just fighting back and forth and just all the time I, I just couldn't imagine and so but these two were battling of course Esau comes out first Jacob comes out holding on to his heel bone and and we know as we read about Jacob and Esau and, and their lives that they were just completely different people. They were just opposite ends of the spectrum. But uh, we know that Jacob would get Esau's birthright. This was something that was rightfully Esau's. He was the oldest. He was the first to come out. He was the firstborn. So, of course, the birthright was his. Every, every, every ounce of it was his, but... What, what happens? Esau gets a little bit hungry. <laughs> Tell you about this hungry thing again. He gets hungry and he sells his birthright. I said, I put in a side note here. I said, people do dumb things when they get hungry. I mean, the Bible even, even lets us know about it. They just make dumb mistakes when they're hungry. So just a side note, don't go hungry. I mean, make sure you're fed. Make sure if you don't want somebody to be angry with you or make dumb decisions, give them food. That's, how, that's what works with me. But... <laughs> But, uh, you know, he sells it just for some pottage, just for some food. 
That's all it is. It's, he's like, it's doing me no good anyway, so he sells it and gets rid of it. But we know that, that doesn't, that's not where it stops for Jacob. Jacob not only stops at the birthright, but he, he manages to slip in and steal the, uh, Esau's blessing too. So he's like, you know what? I don't want just this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take it all. I'm just going to take it all. I'm just gonna, you don't get none of it, all right? So, of course, this doesn't make Esau very happy. You know, I don't know too many people that would. He's trying to figure out if there's any more blessing left from him, left for him, because Jacob just keeps taking everything. Man, them little, little brothers, they do that. But, uh, so we know that Esau was going to set out to kill Jacob. That's, he said, you know what, you done took everything from me. You took my birthright, you took my blessing. There's really not much more of a blessing left for me. I'm, t- I'm just going to kill you. Then I'll just get it all. <laughs> you won't have anything. So Jacob had to run for his life. So why he's, he's running, why he's away, he finds Rachel, he finds Leah. He, gets a, he starts a family, he, and he, he gets blessed. So therefore, there's that blessing that he got. He gets blessed beyond measure. His, his family becomes large. He has so many animals. He has men servants, maid servants. He has anything that he could ever want. He, he doesn't need for anymore. He has his family that he always wanted. He has the, the woman that he loved. He's starting to get the children that he's wanted, the generations and stuff. He has everything, and, and so God sees that he's just a little bit comfortable, and he says, all right, it's time to go back home. He's a little nervous at this point. He said, uh, you mean I need to go back home where Esau is? He said, do you not know what happened last time I was around Esau? He's, he's still wanting to kill me. He's, uh, Jacob thought for sure that Esau wanted him dead. He thought, there's, there's nothing left for me. It doesn't, I'm, I don't want to go back. There's no reason. I mean, just that reason alone that if I go back, Esau's going to kill me would be a good reason enough for me to say, God, are you sure? I mean, are you really sure that this is what you want me to do? But he doesn't. He doesn't question God. Jacob doesn't do this because all throughout his life he's been blessed. He's been uh, given opportunities, and God has given him and, and been there for him. And, and so he doesn't question it, even though he's scared, even though he's afraid. He doesn't question it. And he trusts the Lord and begins his journey back home. Proverbs 30 and 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. That's a good word for, for Jacob. He says, I'll, trust me, I'll take care of it. So because J- Jacob trusted the Lord, he was reunited with Esau. And he was reunited in a way that he had never even imagined. He thought that he was going to come to him angry, still with resentment in his heart, still planning to kill him. But what he found was arms wide open, welcoming, welcoming him with love because he was his brother. He was still family. He was still there for him, and he missed his brother. So God had a plan the whole time and was in control, the whole time. He, he sent Jacob away. I mean, all this stuff he, he had planned out from the beginning, even though we were unsure, and Jacob's unsure, and he's afraid for his life. But the whole time, God's saying, trust me, I've got this. I'm going to take care of you. I'm sending you back to Esau, but trust me, I'm going to take care of you. It's going to be all right. Do you all know about Gideon? I don't feel like we talk about Gideon enough. He was one that just kind of ran across my mind, and, and I don't feel like he gets enough publicity, I think. Because Gideon, he was... He was not 
a very big guy, I guess. I wouldn't, I can't say his stature. I don't know his size or anything like that. But judging by what I can, what I read in Judges about Gideon, um, he just wasn't a very big man. And he tells us that. Gideon was found hiding from the Midianites. He was hiding behind the uh, threshing pot or what it was called. And, and he was just hiding because the Midianites had taken over and, and they're, they're out there and they're trying to enslave them all. And, and he's just hiding because he's just scared. When an angel of the Lord appears unto him and, and calls him something that kind of confuses him, he calls him a mighty man of valor. He just found this man hiding <laughs> behind a threshing pot from some people, and he calls him a mighty man of valor. I think he's like, you're, you got, you're confused. I think you got me confused with somebody else. I think that guy lives down the road. Or maybe you're talking about my brother. We kind of look alike. That's, that must be it. He told him that he was going to save the children of Israel from the Midianites, this man that was hiding behind a threshing pot. So, of course, Gideon's surprised. He's like, um, I'm pretty sure that you're wrong. And, and Judges 6 and 15 says, And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So that's where I get that Gideon probably wasn't a very big guy because he's, he's the smallest in the house, maybe the baby of the family. And not only that, they come from a poor family in Manasseh. What, what is God going to do with this guy? Who's going to look up to this guy? How's this guy a mighty man of valor? But the whole time, God is saying, trust me, I've got this. We're going we're gonna to make it through. Just trust me. I've got a plan. Trust me, I've got this. If you would just trust in me. So, of course, Gideon, because he's so little, so meek, and all that stuff, uh, he needs a sign that, okay, I hear what the angel of the Lord told me, but I need a sign. If this is really what you want me to do, can you just give me a sign? So, you know, he has a, a sacrifice or whatever he's going to give unto him. And so he says, put the meat and the cakes on a rock and throw this broth on top of it. Wet it down really good. And an angel of the Lord sets it on fire. That should never have been able to have been set on fire because it was all doused and wet. And, and it should have never been able to be set on fire right away. But, but that was his sign. So, of course, he said, okay, this is what I need to do. And then so God tells him what. I need you to go to battle and stuff. So he's like, well, hold up. One more. I need to put a fleece before the Lord. So we know that Gideon, he puts a fleece before the Lord. What does he do? He puts a, a piece of wool on the ground, and, and uh, he says, you know, if this is really what you want me to do, then this wool, when I wake up in the morning, will be wet, but all the ground around it is going to be dry. He said, I just, need a, I just need another reassurance. He already gave me the sign that I asked for, but let's just, can we do it again? <laughs> just to make sure. You know, and so God does it. He wakes up and, he, and the ground is dry, but he, he takes that piece of wool and wrings it out and fills up a whole bucket full. He said, okay, I got my sign, but oh God, don't be angry with me, but could you do it again? <laughs> he, said, he said he put another fleece before him. He's, he's so worried that he is not the mighty man of valor that God had told him, that he wants another sign that, you know what? I trust you, I really do, but can you give me another sign? 
this is Gideon for us, right? So what happens again? He, he says, okay, now we already did the, uh, the wet wool, the dry ground. How about this? How about if, if you make the ground all wet, but that piece of wool stay dry all night? So when I wake up, then that's what, that's what happened. If that's the way it is, then, then I'll, I'll know that that's a sign. And he's thinking, surely that piece of wool is not going to be dry because um, that ground is going to be completely wet. It's just going to soak it up. And, of course, he wakes up, and we know the ending, that he wakes up and that uh, the ground is completely wet, and, and he wakes up and that wool is dry. So he got his answer. He got his reassurance that, that, uh, that God was going to take care of him. But, you know, God likes to play, play with some people sometimes, play with their minds. So he's telling him, he's, he, all right, I'm going to send you into battle now. You already know that I'm going to take care of you, right? So I'm going to send you into battle but he said, I think you got too many soldiers. He said, are you kidding me? Don't you know what war is? The more, the better. <laughs> it's power in numbers. What are you doing? What are you doing, God? I'd be like, you're confused. <laughs> I must have got those fleeces backwards. But uh, so he says, you got too many people. So what do I want you to do? I want you to remove the fearful. He said, so I want you to go out to the whole army and just tell them, hey, if you're afraid, you don't have to go. If you're afraid to lose your life for the Lord, just go ahead, go back to your family, tend to your family, that's fine. It's totally fine. No one's going to look down on you. No one's going to judge you. And, and he wanted to remove the fearful. And so that got rid of a large number of them. And he said, God looked down. He said, all right, all right. Oh, man, that's still too many. Kitty's like, you kidding me? There's like half of them. I don't know. You're, you're killing me here. This is, you're setting me up for failure, it seems like. Of course, God's saying, trust me, I've got this. I just... I just keep picturing him saying that. Just trust me. I've got this. And so he said, you, you still got too many. Now go to them and, and tell them to go drink of the water. And, and those that lap it up like a dog, uh, set those aside. And those that bend down on their knees to drink out of the water. And those will go to another side. And, and he does this and he believes them. And, and so he ends up with 300 soldiers. He's like, and now this is what you want me to go to battle with? And God said, all right, 300, that's a good number. So we're going to send you into battle, and, and, and you're going to win. And he did. And we know the outcome of that story that, that Gideon ends up going to battle, and, and he with just the 300 men, and he defeats the, the Midianites, and he saves the children of Israel, right? But the whole time, I mean, throughout this whole thing in Gideon's life was, you could just see God saying, trust me. I just need you to trust me. I just need you to believe in me. I've got a plan for you if you would just trust me and believe in me. I, I, we're just going to act it out. We're just going to go with it. You know, each step of the way, you're not going to know it, but I'm going to take care of you. So these are only just a few examples. There's many, many, many more, many more examples. If you read this from front to back, probably every book that you come to, you're going to read about somebody that has lost trust in the Lord that would question what God wanted them to do. And, and the whole time God's saying, trust me, I've got this. I'm going to take care of it. Look at all these other examples that I've been through. Look at all these other people's lives that I've, I've spoken into and, and they've made it through. I've told them to do something. When they listened, they made it. When they listened, they were blessed. When they followed me, I took care of them. And when they did not, they had a different outcome. But God says, trust me, I've got this. We're all going through things. I mean, you could take a look around. We could take polls. If you sit down and have a conversation with anybody, they're going through something. Why? Because, it's, because we're all human. We're all human nature. We've all got, we've all got family that might be uh, 
outside of church, we've got things, you know, we want to see our family saved. But, but not only that, we've got family that's going through cancer. We've got uh, family that's just doing whatever. Things are just going on. Jobs. Some of us are fighting to have a job. Some of us don't have jobs. Some, whatever it is, our job just isn't the job that we need or isn't providing for us like it used to. We all have something that we're going through. But we must understand that we're not alone. Because oftentimes we close ourselves off. We block ourselves off, and, and, and not only just from the people around us. We block ourselves off from God. And the whole time God is saying, if you would just trust me, I've got this. If you would trust me with your job, I would take care of you. If you would trust me with your finances, I would take care of you, right? Because some of us would say, you know what, I can't pay my tithes this week. And money got tight. I got hit with another bill, you know, and I can't pay my tithes. I can't, I can't put in that extra offering, you know, just because something else came up or, or I wanted to eat out tonight or, you know, just whatever reason. You don't want to be hungry. We know that. But, but Jesus, Jesus will take care of you. He said, trust me, I got this. So if you go ahead and stand with me, and uh, Brother Mason, if you want to play something that's totally up to you. and uh, All throughout this word, God is telling us to trust him. Not just, he's not just speaking to the people in the situations that we read about. He's not speaking to those individuals and just telling them, trust me. He's speaking to us. He, he, give, he gave us this word that we would know and grow and learn from it. And so he's telling us to trust me. I've got this. Whatever situation that you are going through, you need to trust in God and believe that he's got it. Believe that he's, gonna, he's got an outcome already lined up for you. Because that's, that's our hardest thing in life, right? Is not knowing for sure that something is going to happen. That's mine, right? My biggest hang-up is, is not knowing the end. I can, I can back everything that I read in here because I already know the end of their story. I already know that most of them get blessed and most of them have, have an awesome after, not, not just afterlife, but after their struggle, they have an awesome life because I already know the end. But I can't see the end of my struggle. I can't see the end of the hard times I'm going through or things like that. And that's what makes it difficult. And that's why we get closed off and we say, you know what, God, I, I'm just, you don't need to deal with me. I can take care of it. It's something that I've got. And everyone's going through something. Whether somebody else knows about it or whether you're keeping it all to yourself, keeping it closed off, boxed up so that nobody knows the real you or what you're going through. God knows. And he's saying, trust me, I've got this. I know your outcome. I know that there's a blessing coming your way. If you would just trust me. You're not alone. You're not alone in your struggle. You're not alone in your walk with God. If you look around here, the numbers aren't up like they were on Sunday, but we're not worried about numbers. Because these are the people that are here to support you. These are the people that are, are going through things too. These are the people that you can turn to and trust and be there for. These are the people going through struggles that you may never ever know about. But because they come in here and they praise God and they lift up their hands, you think they're doing all right. 
but everyone is going through something and you are not alone. God is just saying, trust in me. I've got this. If you will just lift your hands and trust me, I've got this. I've got your blessing. I've got your healing. I've got your outcome. I've got it. If, and you will make it through. But you have to trust me and believe that I've got this. You can't see it. You can't see the outcome. You can't see that I'm going to raise Lazarus in a few hours. You can't see that he's going to be walking around telling his story. But I see it. And I already know it. So if you would tonight wherever you're at, in your walk with God, in your life, whatever struggles, don't block God out. Don't keep it in. Don't hide your struggles. Because God knows them anyway. And He's wanting to help you and He's wanting to take care of you. But He's not going to force Himself. He wants you to trust Him. If you trust in Him, your story is going to be like the stories you read about. Your outcome will be like the stories you read about. But you have to trust him. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.